G'day and welcome to the 11th episode of The Wrap. Uh, my name's Alexander Cameron. Uh, with me today are two of the biggest amateur sports analysts, conspiracy theory pundits, uh, real news advocates, um, sports and culture aficionados, my two brothers, how are you going? Andy, how are you going first, mate? Doing swell, mate. Doing very well. Happy to be here. Ready to get into it. Dukes, how are you going, mate? Mate, I'm pretty happy. Uh, I won the game of risk last night between the boys after Parramatta got a big victory, 52-6, to six, I believe. 51. Over the Tigers. So it's been, it's been good for me, particularly after since I won Monopoly and Texas Hold'em. I'm on a roll. Taking your money. Uh, Dukes is doing well recently in the uh, board game and general uh, game-related stakes. Um, so I thought we'd give a, a quick little intro about what we like to do here on The Wrap. So what we like to do here on The Wrap is give kind of a quick synopsis, this, uh, if we can, keep it under an hour, uh, summary of the news of the week that has been. Okay, so that's kind of, and the way that we like to do that is we like to do a domestic story, so a focus particularly on Australian politics, but not exclusively. Uh, international story. Uh, and also, we'd like to do everyone's favourite segment as well, which relates to beta mail of the week. Um, Andy, what is the beta mail of the week, and what are we trying to do on that segment? Okay, so the beta mail of the week is someone uh, who doesn't take responsibility for their own actions, someone who we think, well, not even someone, it can be an entity, it can be a group of people, it can be a female as well. So um, we're open with our labels. Mm. Um, someone who doesn't take responsibility for their actions, someone who we think... Is really a bit of a bit of a grub, not really someone we think anyone should aspire to be like. Um, that's how I would describe the beta male to someone. Dukes, would you add or uh, redact any of what Andy said? No, I think it's okay, and we can run with that for the for the episode. Okay, cool. Um, so what we're going to do, we're going to kick it off um, with our domestic story. I now. think I think you're missing a big segment. That's exactly right. Andos, thank you uh, for being Johnny on the spot. What we'd like to do as well here, we'd like to do a lot of things, as you can probably imagine, but uh, what we'd like to do is a segment called Jumping to Conclusions. And the idea of this is is uh, to pay homage to all the girlfriends out there and all the wives um, who like to jump to conclusions without justifying things. So we'd like to do that uh, on this program, get uh, everyone touching the ball, so to speak, uh, get it through the hands and out to the winger. So um, what we're going to do is Andy, Dukes and I are going to say something that's a little bit ridiculous, a little bit outlandish, and then at the end we're going to decide who has to justify it, who's got to uh, substantiate the allegation, so to speak. Um, so Andos, why don't you kick it off? What's yours for this week, mate? Uh, mine is that Australian hip-hop has only produced two great acts, being Hilltop Hoods and Cursor. It's a bit of disrespect to Bliss and Esso. Uh, look, they're yeah, disrespect to 360 and Pairs. They're, uh, they're in my, my thoughts, but you know, I think the Pantheon, there's only two great ones. But, uh, and the Pantheon on the, on the Mount Rushmore the, of Australian hip-hop. What about Iggy Azalea? Well, you we're going to have to ask him to justify it. Okay, um, no, that's, that's reasonably interesting, particularly since our last uh, interview, uh, which will be going up very, very shortly. Dukes, what's yours? My conclusion is that uh, at every Australian primary school, kids should be learning Chinese. Should be a compulsory subject. So you're selling yourself. You're selling us out. Okay. All right. That's uh, an interesting one. I'm going to say this one. Um, cyclists. All cyclists should have to have another plate on the back of the bike. 
I just don't really know what that achieves. <laughs> well, you're gonna have to ask. But well, because at, at the minute, my claim is that uh, with your you're responsible for your car in, in, in as much as you can actually be identified. Um, and I would say that cyclists are just as almost, uh, uh, in uh, quite, a, quite a few cases, are just as responsible for their own accidents and for what happens to them as the car. I think we have this protected species uh, approach towards cyclists, which I think is a little bit unreasonable considering oh, yeah. that they're operating uh, a tiny little frame on a main road. Um, so I think there should be a means by which we could uh, I mean, you know, get the, to these guys. <laughs> at the same, at the same time, it's the exact same for. Well, it's even more protected for pedestrians. Who, pedestrians who, who have are to equally, wear no, who equally would be as much responsible for their own accidents on roads as uh, as cyclists. But you know, let's let's go to a vote. Dudes, what do you think? Okay, I'm happy to nominate Andy just because he's wrong. Um, that seems to be. I'm also happy to nominate Andy because I like to see him square. Okay, moving swiftly on. What's the first story, Ark? Uh, Watergate. Um, and it's not the original Watergate. It's, it's the uh, the sequel. They always say the sequel disappoints, but um, we're going to find out. We're going to wait and see. So, on April 18th, so about a week ago. About a week ago. About five days ago. Channel 10, uh, highly rated current affairs show, the project, and a 10 minute investigation into strategic water purchases in the Murray-Darling Basin. In particular, the report focused on a $79 million purchase in the condomine Balone catchment in Queensland, which had been signed off by then Water Minister Barnaby Joyce, everyone's favorite man of the people, uh, the homeboy Barnaby. Um, so what has happened is this has also implicated another Liberal MP, uh, Angus Taylor. So, basically, to give a little bit of background to the Barnaby's story... Barnaby's a national MP, right? Barnaby's nuts, yes. I believe Angus Taylor's in the lips, isn't he? Yes. Is he not? Yes. Yeah. Cool. Thanks for that, Dukes. Um, <laughs> he just had another Liberal MP, but it's just a singular Liberal okay. MP. Okay, alright, alright. Um, Basically, what happened was Angus Taylor, in his role as a management consultant, as part of uh, being in investment banking, gave advice and established, uh, well, didn't establish, but he became part of a company, uh, two companies that were domiciled in the Cayman Islands. Now, as, uh, of course, as soon as you hear Cayman Islands, people think tax haven, and that's exactly right, because that was obviously what it was for. About 10,200 companies each year get uh, created and domiciled in the Cayman Islands. So that's quite interesting. Um, so Angus Taylor uh, becomes uh, the uh, director and company secretary of, of these two companies and he organises the financing for two for the purchasing of two properties uh, within the space of a couple of weeks in 2008 um, for 31 million and 66 million respectively. Okay, so then this was all a part of uh, the play by a bunch of companies who were trying to capitalise on what the Howard's uh, water plan, and the idea was that as part of a uh, the kind of this three billion dollar, uh, sorry, this ten billion dollar national water plan, there would there would be about three billion dollar for water buybacks, um, because many irrigators and and people who were reliant on uh, water, particularly in rural areas, were doing it tough. Okay, they they weren't getting the water that they needed. So Howard said, okay, let's the government's going to buy back the water. 
in many of these parts and try and do it a little bit more cheaply to, to, to spread the love, so to speak. Now, the problem was that uh, for Angus Taylor and his mates who were um, uh, organising the, the acquisition of these properties uh, for the purpose of the National Water Plant is that the, their buybacks were unbelievably slow. So um, that happened in 2007 and 2008. It was, only, it was not until 2015 that Barnaby Joyce, when he, when he became the Minister for Water, signed off on an $80 million deal to the companies that um, uh, Angus Taylor had previously been associated with. So it was about seven years later. <coughs> At that point, uh, Angus Taylor has had no direct financial interest in the sale. Um, however, uh, this has become a story because it's also become a story about the value for money. So we've got to recognise the fact, uh, my favourite saying, that there was no tender process, so there was no means by which um, different parties could bid or could organise some kind of proposal to the government. Uh, Barnaby just kind of went out there and, and bought these uh, two water and uh, irrigation licences for a, a total of $79 million, um, which has caused a bit of a stink because this was also, the, uh, it's kind of the same principle as when uh, Malcolm Turnbull gave $500 million to the Great Barrier Reef Society or whatever it was without a tender process either. So whenever there's a lack of a tender process, things tend to kick up a bit of a stink. Um, so it was so that was in 2015, but the deal got done, finalised in 2017. Now the documents show that uh, the company initially wanted 2,200 per megalitre, but during negotiations it rose to 2,750. So again, when you see the the process by which uh, they're negotiating the deal and the price goes up, people start getting a little bit antsy. So. This was part of this 79 million was part of the total 200 million which Barnaby Joyce uh, siphoned from the taxpayers as part of this plan uh, for water buyback. So it wasn't it didn't constitute the entirety of the water buybacks, but it constituted about 40 percent. Uh, so the, the 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 details of the stories are still coming out as to what actually uh, the ability for the government to move the water from off the property as well because um, it becomes a little bit of a logistics issue even if you buy the water um, at the price, the, the ability to move it logistically at a price which is effective is obviously still another issue in, in and of itself and because um, they hadn't actually bought it yet we're kind of still waiting to see if it, if it would work. Um, so. Labor is calling for a Royal Commission into this. Um, they're saying that if Bill gets in the house, they're going to uh, come down with the hammer on this. Um, and uh, anyone associated with this deal, if there's shown to be any dodgy dealings, they're gonna, they're gonna smack him down. So if Bill gets in the lodge, Angus Hale's gonna be on the block. Um, Labor has given Scott Morrison until uh, Monday to address questions about the 2017 water buybacks and has not ruled out establishing a Royal Commission. Um, Sarah Hanson Young calling for a Royal Commission. Um, a spokesperson for Angus, Angus Taylor has come out and said allegations currently online that link Mr. Minister Taylor with EAA's sale of water entitlements are incorrect. Um, Mr. Taylor has not had any direct or indirect financial interest in EAA or its parent company at the time. So that was the, the company that owned. The, the water licenses. Um, so this is a story uh, about potential corruption about mates buying uh, 
stuff off other mates. Um, Dukes, what's your reaction? Sharing the money, the money going around, the money the flowing. money. Um, look, it's, it's hard when the details are still coming out, but that in itself is a pretty poor reflection on Barnaby and Taylor, that they haven't been the ones to clear up the details so far. Uh, this is a pretty uh, big story. Barnaby did an interview on ABC, which pretty much left more questions than, than provided answers um, in the minds of most people. Um, and we still, you know, we still don't really have any idea about, you know, we can, there's a lot of speculation going on and the speculation would be a lot less if either of the two parties involved would be able to shed some, some light on, on something of which they were obviously involved. Now, whether there was any dirty dealing, as we like to say, uh, we don't know yet. You might be skeptical. Uh, I'm probably skeptical, but it's, it is a bad look when they haven't come out uh, and, and fully addressed it. It would be easy to do, just call a quick uh, media uh, meeting, just say, give a 10, 15 minute spiel on, on everything that's happened, who benefited from what, uh, what exactly your role was in the operation, um, and why it is that we bought such an expensive thing on the taxpayer funds without the tender, without, um, mm. you know? Like that needs an explanation regardless. Right. Um, and so, at best, it's uh, just being a bit silly for the past few days from the libs and the nads. And at worst, there might be a bit of corruption involved. Yeah. Andy, have you got anything to say? Uh, not really. I just don't think we should go um, completely into this uh, hysteria of headhunting and like talks of royal commissions until we figured out what's actually gone on completely. Um, but. Yeah, I mean, I don't really have much much. It's probably what the Royal Commission would be for, but yeah, yeah but <laughs> I know what you mean. I know what you no, mean. It's okay. Andos. It's okay, mate. It's okay. <laughs> um, okay, I think that's that. We're trying to make these a bit more quick. I'll give, I'll give my I'll give my thirty-four uh, seconds. Can't really get any okay, well, analysis you go quickly. Done. All I would say is that um, this is one of the problems you have when when the government is uh, intervenes in the market. Is we talk about negative externalities and we talk about um, the the harmful byproducts of uh, capitalism and free market. But I would say one of the potential uh, detriments of when the government does get involved is that because it's not really based on free market principles or its price supply demand, it's more about uh, government doing favours for their mates. And this is what happens. The, 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 the more government intervention you see normally, the more um, ministers that amass huge amounts of wealth and, um, uh, and, and, and money, basically, is what happens. Um, but I would say this, I don't think this is a, a story. It looks like Angus Taylor had, had, when the properties were sold and the licences were sold, it looks like um, Angus Taylor and his friends slash family had no actual beneficial financial interests in the arrangement, in the deal, um, and the fact that he was uh, kind of well clear of that by the time he got into politics, I think is a good thing overall. I think it's been sloppily handled, um, and it looks, I think it looks, wor the optics are worse than, than the reality. That's what I would say. Um, okay. Uh, our international story for the week is, is a big one, um, and it's the Sri Lanka terrorist attack. It's a terribly sad story. Um, there's victims from at least uh, 12 countries, and I think there is... I've just left out the, the, the main uh, 
Okay, so they've killed 290 people at least, almost 300, and I think there's another 500 injured. Uh, there was a wave of bombings across Sri Lanka on Easter Sunday. Um, Prime Minister Scott Morrison confirmed two Australians were tragically killed in the massacre. Uh, there were thought to be six suicide bombers involved in the explosions. Um, and it's a terribly sad story. Um, and there's not a lot of the actual substance of the story that happened to be covered other than to say it's, uh, it, it's a terrible tragedy. Um, but in light of how Western countries dealt with Christchurch, I think it's important to maybe have a little analysis of uh, the two and um, we understand that both were terrible terrorist attacks the death toll is a bit higher in the Sri Lankan uh, terror attack um, we understand that Sri Lanka is 70% Buddhist 12% Hindu 10% Muslim and 7% Christian um, and I want us to have a look at the responses from Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton uh, on the Christchurch massacre and then compare it to the Sri Lanka, um, the, 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 the Sri Lanka attack. Um, Hillary, uh, okay, so Barack said on the uh, New Zealand attack, he tweeted, Michelle and I send our condolences uh, to the people of New Zealand. We grieve with you and the Muslim community. All of us must stand against hatred in all its forms. Uh, Barack Obama then said about the uh, Sri Lanka attack that the attacks on tourists and Easter worshippers in Sri Lanka are an attack on our humanity. On a day devoted to love, redemption and renewal, we pray for the victims. Stand with the people of Sri Lanka. Okay. Uh, Hillary Clinton said, in relation to New Zealand, my heart breaks for New Zealand and the global Muslim community. We must continue to fight perpetuation and normalisation of Islamophobia and racism in all its forms. White supremacist terrorists must be condemned by leaders everywhere. Their murderous hatred must be stopped. Hillary then said about Sri Lanka, On this holy weekend for many faiths, we must stand united against hatred and violence. I'm praying everyone affected by today's horrific attacks on Easter worshippers and travellers in Sri Lanka. So the important points to understand is that uh, Barack Obama um, both identified that Muslims were the group who were attacked in Christchurch, um, but neither recognised that it was Christians uh, who were attacked in Sri Lanka. They referred to them as Easter worshippers, and I don't know what the hell Easter worshippers are, and I don't think they do either. They also said travellers, um, but uh, let me tell you, it's a Christian holiday, regardless of the fact that Hillary tells us uh, the Easter weekend is a holy time for many faiths. I don't know which other faith does Easter besides Christianity, because I know the Jews don't. I doubt the Hindus or Buddhists or Muslims do. Because they don't believe in Jesus. Uh, maybe the Scientologists, but I maybe the Scientologists spoke, spoke to Tom Cruise. Um, and the way Hillary condemns, listen to what she says again. We must continue to fight the perpetuation and normalisation of Islamophobia and racism in all its forms. White supremacist terrorists must be condemned by leaders everywhere. Their murderous hatred must be stopped. And all Hillary says is, uh, we must stand united against hatred and violence. 
uh, in regard to the Sri Lanka terrorist attack. So <clears throat> what I want us to understand from this is that regardless of the media narrative, um, obviously there are a range of circumstances in which Muslims are attacked on their faith, uh, which I don't like and I condemn and I wish it, it wouldn't happen. Um, but the fact of the matter is, when you get down to the actual numbers, there are terror attacks uh, and hate crimes um, against Christians all the time in the world. And if you actually look at the research data, Christians are the most oppressed religious group in the world because of the way Muslim majority countries treat Christians. Okay, uh, Christian majority countries, uh, mainly in the West, treat Muslims much better than Christians get treated in Muslim countries. Um, and but, but it doesn't fit in the narrative, so Hillary and Barack uh, and the mainstream media uh, won't tell you about it like that. Instead, they'll just they'll take white nationalism to town, um, and for good reason, um, but it's like, uh, you know, they only have one half of the scale there, if, even if, you know, it might not, it's probably not even half, right? Um, and if you look around uh, the world, uh, there's not that many white terrorist attacks going on, like white terrorist attacks going on. There have been significant ones like Christchurch. There have been that one in Norway, like maybe 15 years ago or however many. Um, but when you look across Africa and across the Middle East, um, terror attacks on Christians, but also on other Muslims committed by Muslims, uh, and to then come out and talk about uh, the hate specifically coming out of the Christian religion without then acknowledging it also coming out of the Muslim religion, uh, even though you should be probably condemning Islam to a greater degree considering it's the crocodile closest to our boat, um, it's, it, it demonstrates a bias, it demonstrates uh, fake news. Um, and just for the listeners out there, fake, as, as much as CNN and New York Times will put out false headlines, uh, they'll say things that are patently false. Um, probably the larger part of fake news is actually those stories which you choose not to cover. Those parts of the narrative you choose to leave blank because they don't fit it. Uh, and so I, I regard this as fake news. I regard this as dangerous. Uh, and this is the, the reason why people are, are very distrustful of the media. <clears throat> I think your analysis was was uh, pretty good there, Duke. So I'd also say that if we go back to the, the same week of Christchurch, there were about 120 Christians in Nigeria which got systematically butchered over a weekend. Not a single news media outlet really gave it any any type of cre uh, any type of credence at all. Now, I understand that it is a proximity issue with this as well. Is that uh, New Zealand is much closer to us uh, than say Nigeria or Sri Lanka. Um, that uh, we feel probably more uh, tied to New Zealand in terms of our history and culture. But it does not excuse the fact that there is a deliberate and serious attempt to skew the narrative in such a way that demonises Christians and white people um, altogether, um, and which puts uh, the followers of Islam and Muslims in a boat which is uh, occupied only by themselves. Uh, you're absolutely right when you talk about the way in which Christians are treated in uh, majority Muslim countries. But I would say that the Christians are just kind of part of the large uh, group of people, non-Muslims, who get treated poorly in Muslim countries anyway. Um, 
you look at the way in which uh, India, Bangladesh and Pakistan all separated from each other along uh, lines of faith, with Pakistan constituting kind of the uh, Muslim element of that breakup, uh, there were situations in which um, trains would go back and forth between India and Pakistan and there would just be uh, Buddhists and uh, Muslims just shooting trains full of, full of people. Um, so I think that's not to say that, um, you know, that it, it, Islam and Buddhism are on the same level in terms of this type of stuff, but uh, you're, you're right when you also talk about uh, the fact that the, the, the vast majority of the victims of uh, Islamic violence are Muslims. Um, and you see that in the way in which uh, there are relations between majority Muslim countries in the Middle East. Um, that on a macro level is absolutely apparent. Um, the, the question I'm kind of struggling with on this topic is why, what is the actual end game with this? What is, what is the end game with um, this type of language where they set the narrative so that Christians uh, 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 and white people in general are the ones who are the oppressor and uh, Muslims uh, and the followers of Islam are the oppressed. I'm not exactly sure what the end game is. I don't know. Because uh, it's I, obvious I like you make look a, at... I'll probably make a longer video on this, but I think I have a pretty good answer. Um, and it's the critical theory that came out of the... Um, what's that damn school called in Germany? Um, anyway, regardless, um, there's a few guys, a few uh, Marxists in like 1940 who came to, in not late 1930s who came to America, Jewish guys, um, uh, the Frankfurt School, this is the Frankfurt School, yeah. um, who realized, uh, well, so in 1938, they came from Germany to America because that's the only place that would have them um, because uh, anti-Semitism was rife in Germany uh, and it was also significant across other places in Europe. Yeah. Um, and so then they decided once, so they came to America as Marxists and once they realised in about the 1960s after the uh, Hungarian uprising in 1956 where uh, the Soviet Union slaughtered uh, a lot of Hungarians who didn't want to be a part of uh, the Soviet Union uh, and also about how the working class in the West was doing so well, they realised that um, capitalism was here to stay, um, or at least that the working class against bourgeois oppressor-oppressed narrative wasn't going to work, right? So then they felt like, well, the way to actually overthrow capitalism in the system we live in is to replace the working class bourgeois uh, against the... Uh, with the identity politics we have today, where it's not just working class, it's about the identities, the skin colour, the sexualities, the gender, blah, blah, blah. Um, and so really, as far as I can tell, it's, it's, it's an attempt to take down the society we live in. Um, but nonetheless, that's a topic for another day where we can go in depth. I, have, I, I just think that we could, we're going to probably go off on a train and get lost here, and it's going to go for too long. Um, and so I reckon we leave that one there. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Well, oh, the only thing I would add to that is I have heard similar arguments, um, but I have the, the, basically that the, the, that the real kind of hardcore uh, economic Marxism failed. Um, but it was also uh, someone, I think Jordan Peterson might have mentioned the idea of the French postmodernists who uh, managed to infiltrate the American universities in particular. Um, and uh, kind yeah, of. It's food, it's Foucault and Derrida are, yeah. are, are big plays in it, but it is, it's originally 
Horkheimer and the guys in the Frankfurt School okay. who first came with the critical theory. Um, okay, so we're going to do the final story, which is uh, Andos is going to take the lead on. So I can quickly run us I think, through I that. I think Hillary and Barack both get beta male nominations. Yeah, they get beta male nominations. Oh, and yeah, Andy, you take. <laughs> Take the reins, brother. So, um, big news, I think it would have been about a week ago, uh, where the uh, Notre Dame uh, Cathedral in Paris went up in flames. Uh, we don't actually know the cause yet. Uh, that was probably going to take a while to figure out, but what's currently being thought as as an electrical short circuit, either caused by the temporary elevators used while renovating, or a computer glitch um, created the fire that uh, sent the uh, cathedral up in flames. Um, so firstly, uh, I want to, there's been a lot of debate over the funding, especially Australia's role in the funding. And um, we see Malcolm Turnbull, ex-Prime Minister, jumping on the bandwagon straight away. Globalist bandwagon. Yeah, tweeted out that uh, we should have a, uh, that a fund should be set up and Australia should donate to it. Um, and we saw Josh Frydenberg, the, tre the treasurer, agreed to it. Um, they thought it would be a good idea. Bill Shorten said that we must do it. Um, That's a very good idea because uh, it, he said, I'm paraphrasing, that Notre Dame doesn't just belong to France, it belongs to the world. Yeah. Um, and ScoMo shut it down. ScoMo said that... Good work, ScoMo. People don't voluntarily pay taxes in this country. That they get forced to pay taxes, although some may be willing to anyway, regardless of, of, of if they had a choice or not. But um, it's money that's taken from people um, and to spend it in a different country, uh, which is quite a wealthy country, uh, without the consent of the people is, is a bit rude, especially considering the fact that um, a lot of Australians probably have never been there, don't care about the cathedral that much, it's because they're different faiths. There's some Chinese Buddhists, we've got some Hindus in here, we've got some Muslims. We don't need to make them, like, we wouldn't be going to pay for the rebuild of Mecca. Um, why don't, uh, you know, well, you can if you want, just don't force anyone to. Well, uh, Bill Shorten alluded to his time backpacking, and he said that uh, when he was backpacking, one of his uh, greatest, uh, well, I'm not sure if it was an achievement, but one of the greatest things that happened was that he went to Notre Dame, um, and he said that because of this history that we all share and that we've all been touched by it, then we should donate. No, this is why they call him. This is why they call him Teflon Bill, right? Because he he's not made of anything, and he's always got a story for the moment, doesn't he? About this mm. one time back in band camp when we went to Notre Dame. Um, absolute ridiculousness. And Dukes is right when he talks about. Um, this idea that all of a sudden the government, uh, that people when they go into the public sector and the government um, go through this transformation process where they become meta-humans, where they become better moral arbiters um, over, over the money spent. This is why I don't think governments should really be spending money on charities because if the people really want to spend that money on charity then they'll, they'll, do, the, they'll do it themselves. Um, so you shouldn't tax people so that you can you know, use their money uh, to pay for what you feel like is a like a, a worthy cause. I don't think in general it's good practice. Yeah. Um, the, look, the, it, it, this is inevitably, I, I'm sure that if we do send money over to Notre Dame, it'll end up in the hands of the people distributing it. Uh, the UN most likely, which will, you know, they'll, they'll pay for a nice big conference where they fly everyone in in private jets and um, all that type of stuff. Uh, good ScoMo, you've gone up 10 points in my opinion, and you know what? Freiburg, Freiburg's gone down. Freiburg. 
Yeah, uh, Fre Freidenberg is a little bit of a globalist, um, but I think definitely good ScoMo, and this is a good point so that he can differentiate himself from Shorten. I think it's, it's smart politics, but it's mm. it's good job overall, but he's going to say, well, well Shorten, you I don't care about Shorten. There is an elephant in the room on this story, which is the fact that uh, the cathedral is just a damn building. Um, I would much rather see uh, the money go to investing in people rather than uh, a church, I have to say. Well, uh, sorry to cut you off, but that was the second sort of tangent I was going to go into on this story. Um, donations at the moment, especially from wealthy French citizens and corporations, have raised over $1.5 billion. Uh, um, Surely that's going to cover no, it. Well, you'd hope so. No, you don't the, think so. What type uh, of build, building costs more than $1.5 billion Euros to repair? Who knows? But and uh, it's just a spire. The inside wasn't it wasn't damaged. I, I think the roof as well was damaged. But um, damn, expected roof. Henry, 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 Henry made out of panda bones. Yeah, man. <laughs> baby first set um, of ornaments. So there has actually been. Uh, so all the donations flowed in. Everyone that sort of jumped on saying, "I'll donate some. I'll do it." Like in South Park, where they go, "I flooded the dam." <laughs> no, I flooded the dam. A lot like that. Um, but then there was a whole lot of backlash, um, especially in regard to uh, the Yellow Vest movement. That was one uh, sort of area of backlash yeah. in which they were told, uh, there's not enough money to spend on social inequalities, you're just going to have to... Uh, well, they, they said, we, we, we don't have enough money to cover the fact that uh, we're just going to hike up another gas tax because we think we're going to contribute to uh, global warming. And then everyone goes, I can't afford petrol prices this high. Yeah. But we're going to put a whole bunch of money towards Notre Dame. Yeah, so that's that's one it's a area. damn building. The Catholic Church is like the richest thing in the world. Look I'm, at the damn scepters they I'm, got walking around. I'm sure they got enough gold in the. Uh, in the in, 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 I'm sure they got enough gold in the damn Vatican that Smell wants to go and get it. Um, I look, 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 look. I, I I'm open to the idea that it's more than a building. I appreciate the fact. I think it is kind of culturally significant. Whatever. I just don't think it should be okay. taxpayer money. Okay. Well, here's here's my thing, and I saw a good point about the cultural culturally significant argument. Um, if it is in fact culturally significant, um, we haven't had oops, sorry, a problem in the past cutting down uh, trees, which are very special to Aboriginal people, um, but all of a sudden we kick up a stink when we knock down a building that's, or the building gets burned down, which is special to us. So if your, your argument is that, well, this building is very important, then in the same way, you can't say, you, you can't knock over any Aboriginal trees. I don't know about that one. Um, Mate, the trees have been around longer than the uh, cathedral has. Sure. Sure. And the Aboriginals probably have a better connection to the tree than we do to the cathedral. Do you reckon they would remember each and every tree? What? Well, I mean, Notre Dame is a unique building. Do you reckon? And it's well, fairly um, identifiable. And it's obviously would... identifiable to Aboriginal people, the trees. I think you, I don't, birthing trees, I think. I don't, I don't think I R or E R. I don't think you get to talk on behalf of Aboriginal people. Well, well, I'm just saying I saw it, and um, if I saw I saw I saw an argument about it, and I think if we're going to kick up a stink about how culturally significant this thing is to us, then we should also extend that culturally significant argument to Aboriginal people. Yeah, but there's a difference between I'm not. I don't want the government to step in on this. Okay, I don't. I think it should just be mm. privately funded. Okay, I'm not saying the government needs to step in, but. Uh, if, the, if your argument is that it's culturally significant so that the government should step in on trees, um, then I think everyone should get to identify one thing that they like and the government has to maintain it. 
Sure, but I'm just saying that it naturally that the Aboriginal argument breaks down the culturally significant argument. Uh, but I, I would also there's plenty of different Aboriginal cultures within Aboriginality as well. It's not as if it's it was one unified culture. Well, so the same as Australia and the West, we have a lot of different cultures. Sure. That don't all identify with the Notre Dame Cathedral. That's fine. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that the government has to pay for it. But I'm saying if you're. Well, arguing... I didn't understand you. You said there's some argument about it's more than just a building, and I didn't understand the inferences you're trying to make. Well, when you were saying that it's just a building, I was saying it's not really just a building. It really is just a building. I mean, it's just in terms of like the ballpark areas, you have like people, people up here, way up in the clouds, and then down here you have buildings, and maybe like. Um, Notre Dame is like a treetop level building because it might be slightly higher than um, just average building, but it's nowhere compared to uh, people. Okay, well, but I would say like if the Harbour Bridge burnt down, people would be... I don't think the Harbour Bridge is just a bridge. It is Well, it, it is, is just a bridge. It, well, it's, a, it's an interesting argument, but also uh, there has been some other discussion in which other monuments or buildings have burnt down in other countries and did not receive nearly as much attention. So when we're talking about the significance of certain buildings and like which ones are more important than the others on the basis of like cultural significance. Um, churches in Louisiana, Brazilian National Museum and uh, ones in the Middle East that have been burnt down by IS. Um, there's been a lot of discussion about why they didn't get uh, any any like uh, this attention and a lot of it uh, people are suggesting that it's as a result of white privilege that um, that's oh look, I think there's, um, I wouldn't say it's white privilege, I would say it's looking after yourself or, or looking after playing, batting for your own team and it happens in the West uh, which 200 years ago uh, was mostly white, mostly white people in the countries, they made the best systems um, which made everybody rich 200 years later uh, and so when they feel like one of their, they need to go out into bat for their own team and they're the ones with the money. I think that's fair um, but um, I do think there is definitely a level of hypocrisy if anyone is demanding government funding for that and not for the other ones. No, I, th I, think, you're, I think you're right. I think you're right. I don't think we should, we should be spending money on it, okay? But I just, don't think, I just don't think you can say it's just a building. Okay, well then you can't say to any Aboriginal trees it's just a tree. And you shouldn't be able to knock it down then. Well, there's a difference between knock it down and... Just because it's culturally significant doesn't mean you can't make modifications. Like, cut it out. Yeah. It's an interesting I modification. Think, I, think, I think it's, there is a distinction here in that um, it would be that if the Aboriginal trees got burnt down in a big forest fire, do we have a, uh, and they, do we have an obligation to give them the money to pay it back, to, to, build, to build the trees again? Should we give them the seeds? I think it would be a better analogy. Um, I think there is the practice, the practicality, uh, the pragmatism in regard to that argument is. I'm just, not, I'm just not sure why. I'm, like, but I'm not I, saying taxpayer fund, funding goes to it, but I'm saying you can still say it's culturally significant without having to uh, acknowledge the fact that um, government. You just, don't start knocking down trees. Okay, so these birthing trees in, I think, Victoria. It's apparently culturally significant to Aboriginal people for thousands of years are scheduled to get um, marks for removal along, uh, I think, because they're building a road there. 
um, on, you know, on a western highway upgrade between Ballarat and the Staywell in a jointly funded state and federal government Stall. project. Stall. So, are you saying that um, we should be able to knock them, knock them down? Well, I think whose property is it? Well, I don't know whose property it is, but it's uh, oh, a relevant piece of information. But it is a, uh, it is, it is a costly, significant also, tree. No, but also that would be if the French government wanted to build a super highway through Notre Dame. <laughs> it would be the, a similar analogy. Mm. It's the, the they're knocking, they're taking the cultural significance away as a result of. Okay, but what I'm what I'm actually saying is that we're getting all hyped up about how culturally significant this building is, but we give very little airtime to how culturally significant things are for like Aboriginal culture, for instance. Well, I I think that's a, that's a numbers game as well. There's um, you don't I, think that that what I just said was true. Yeah, but I'm I'm just I'm trying to give you a reason why. But I'm, I'm my argument is not that the government should pay for Notre Dame. Okay, but you say you say when the, when uh, your your uh, point of comparison is that oh well we should we should the government should come in and make sure that there's no. Uh, I didn't say that modification of birthing trees. I didn't say that. You said it, it, not modifications if you cut them down. That's not a modification. Okay. You can't cut down birthing trees if you believe that uh, I'm saying that's a, Notre Dame is culturally significant. You can believe Notre Dame is culturally significant without saying that it's uh, that the government should come in and pay for its. Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not. I'm not arguing against you. Um, but also, I will argue against your application of the word modification because I don't think you can modify a tree by. I don't think that's it's a fair way to describe a cutting well, down of a tree. Well, you, can pick, a up, you can pick it up and replant it. You can transform the tree into a road. You can do <laughs> as can a modification. Transform it. Okay, I think that argument's not going anywhere. So we're going to finish up. We've had a few beta male nominations. Malcolm Turnbull, Frydenberg, Shorten got one for a, that's a combo nom for a, Notre Dame. That's a Notre Dame. That's Notre a, Dame help fund. Um, I'm going to give one. This is one we should have done last week, but. You guys know we've been covering the RV Yemeni story. He was going to America for a press tour. The FBI held him up in the airport uh, and sent him back to Australia without letting him do any press for no reason. Um, so FBI is getting a beta male nom uh, from me. Well, the FBI is straight racist. Sydney, Sydney, uh, I'll say it. Sydney Watson reckons that it was because um, they thought he was a, a terrorist. That's what she Because he does look, he's Jewish, but he does look a bit like a Muslim. And um, well, he's got that. He's got that skin colour, and he's young. He's pretty fit. He's got that little black beard. Like um, they do, they do identify people that look like that at the airport yeah. and screen them. It's all, they, it's all people that yeah, look yeah, like yeah, Muslims yeah, that yeah, get the random yeah, screening. Yeah, yeah. yeah sure. So um, not very random. It's not very random. But I, get, I guarantee that um, someone at comp because the thing is, this whole uh, late night comedy uh, setup is really just a function of the deep state. That's what it is. That's how they control because they're losing the battle with the news. What they've done is they've gone all in on these late night show hosts, right? And they're really pumping that with that kind of left wing propaganda, um, this cultural Marxism. Um, and I guarantee you that it was not a run of the mill. Oh, we think this guy might be suspicious. He's Jewish. Uh, that, that, that call came from the top brass, that one. Yeah, well, um Regardless, he would be a man who would get randomly checked all the time. Yeah, but I don't think yeah, he, get, he didn't. I don't think he had any gear on him. I don't think. Well, I'm not saying. I'm look. Obvious, look. Okay. Um, now he was able to do his press tour 
over Skype a lot of the times. He went on uh, Infowars, he went on Dave Rubin's show, go go look him up, RB Yemeni, and go look up those interviews. Um, uh, do we have any other noms? Obviously Hillary and uh, Obama get one for their terrible coverage of Sri Lanka. That is, it's just so suspicious to me that they use the same language, that there, there must have been some kind of information that went out that just said, when regarding this attack, um, you don't refer to them as Christians. Or you maybe refer they're them as It's kind of bizarre. Don't you think, I, I just, I, I, like, people aren't making a big enough stink about this. And it's like, nobody's ever used the term Easter worship as Yeah, it's just so peculiar. Term. And it's it's part of what they do is they like to shift the language so that things don't mean the same anymore. It's yeah. like a, a Christian becomes an Easter worshiper, which just means someone who turns up on Easter Sunday and goes to church. It doesn't, yeah. it has no relation to the faith itself. Um, it's bizarre. It's kind of confronting. And we should... Be doing more investigative well, journalism. We could make a video into. on our on the uh, on like a Gavin McInnes updated words that aren't the same anymore. Yeah. Um, watch out for the, yeah. Watch out for the way they do this because <laughs> this is how they, this is how it's 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 a gradual seeping into the the, the fabric of society. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so who are we going to give it to? There's not really a strong someone who's really taken the baton. They're, they're all, they're all, um... You know what, I want to give it to the FBI. Because the FBI stopped Arvey, yeah. he hadn't done anything wrong. Yeah. Uh, he was going to do a tour to uh, redeem his name after the hit piece of fake news, and they stopped him from doing it. Um, thought this was a miracle. Um, <laughs> I thought this was a miracle. So, they get the... You're going to give it to the FBI? I'm going to give it, um... To Obama and Clinton. Stones oh, after making decisions. To, 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 to Clinton kind of, was worse than Obama. Yeah, but to kind of um, reduce the the severity of if someone's if someone said um, uh, like in reference to Christchurch, oh, yeah, it happened to a bunch of people who were um, just on mats facing Mecca, for example. It just reduced the, the, their faith to something that they did, the like an action. The, the prayer mat worshippers. If you just said yeah, the prayer mat uh, Mecca facing worshippers, um, everyone would be like. No, they're Muslims, but it's uh, the deep state out again. Barack and Hillary. Okay, I'm happy to change to Barack and Hillary if you want. Yeah, I think we can. Um, okay, Barack and Hillary, get it now. The fallen Messiah. Um, Andy. Yes. Um, Just about so my, my conclusion was that uh, the only two great uh, products of Australian hip hop were uh, Cursor and Hilltop Hoods. Um, I'm going to keep this sort of quite succinct, succinct in saying that I think I value uh, longevity and consistency more than you two. Uh, durability in the rap game, I think, is something that uh, is integral to greatness. What I about think Tupac and Biggie? They were, yeah. They weren't alive for that long. They're... <laughs> <laughs> the two greatest rappers of all time weren't alive for that long, no, no, and you no, say no. that longevity no, is no, the no, key to being a all star. But Andy would rate Blue Gum Bleedums on top of <laughs> Tupac two and Biggie, so I don't think Andy even puts Tupac and Biggie in the pantheon. Um, Andy, how about all like the all-time great singers who all died when they were like 27? Well, their body of work <laughs> is like justified. What about Janet Jackson? Can we? Do you want to let me Michael explain? Jackson. Do you want to let me explain my point before? Yeah, before. explain uh, it. Okay, Bliss and Esso is a group that I thought would pro- I was very much on the line when they would get <laughs> into it. Um, but I think that, uh, can you name me one uh, so- one song other than Moments in the past five years that Bliss and Esso have put out? Like, 
They should. But we're talking about all time. We're not talking about current. There are two great products of Australian hip hop. There was a golden age, I would say, but only the. I don't think the only the strongest survived from that golden age of Australian hip hop, in which. Uh, so what, it, what about Juf? Is, yeah. your, is your argument that, 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 that like they have to continue writing music till they're 50? No, my argument is that... Uh, because Bliss and SO, if they were still recording, they would be they are 50. They are still recording, but you just, there's not very... like you, They're not really putting that much out, and they're not really doing much. So, um, what are you saying about Park and Biggie? I'm saying that Park and Biggie... Because they got shot suck. No, I'm saying they are probably the two greatest of all time. You got parked, bruh. I'd say they're pretty, pretty close to the GOATs. Um, I think their body of work is justified and immortalised probably too much. I think it is glorified too much because they were uh, tragically shot and killed. But I think that Bliss and Esso have got like three really, really, really good songs. Um, Do you reckon Iggy Azalea is better than um, Biggie? I don't think I think Who's I, better, what I was saying is that you guys don't just I think longevity uh, is something that is definitely contributes greatly to greatness and I think I value that more than you two and I think it's it's a, it's a big part of the conversation when you're talking about greatness okay all right you've heard it from the, the horse's mouth Jesus uh, of Nazareth only did it in three years pretty much 30 to 33 he's all time he was, he was the goat since he was born, bruh. Dude, 33 just. Alright, now, um, we got anything left? I think it's Patreon. time to wrap this up. If you want to go support us, if you want us to help us buy a real beta male trophy where we can uh, get name inscriptions. Also, we're hoping to get a couple new camcorders. We're moving into hopefully a new podcast space soon. Um, we want to get some new mics. Um, we need to just upgrade our production quality all round. But we get an idiot new membership. Um, and speech pathology lessons. Um, that's your new favourite phrase, isn't it? If you, you in the past, if you want, um, if if you want to help us out, um, you don't have to, but uh, we do need to fight the Clintons. Um, then you can go on our Patreon link is down below in the description. As little as a dollar a month would go a long way. Um, uh, so we appreciate that. We appreciate all the all the patrons who have already started donating. That's that's been awesome. Um, and we'll see you uh, next week. Oh, Alex is going away. I won't. Going to I'm going to for six months. For, to the, um, the land of the rising sun for six months. So he won't be on the rap. Hopefully he'll be writing some articles and he'll, he reckons he'll hopefully be able to take a camera so he might be able to see some vlogs or some videos. Um, yeah. It looks like it's just going to be me and you, dude. Me and Andos holding down the fort. Hopefully we'll get a guest rotation on. It's something I've been working on. Um, we bought a new light this week actually, it should be coming on Friday, like studio lights, like softbox lights of Amazon. It hurt, softbox, hotbox it lights. Hurt us, hurt us to give that money to Jeff Bezos, the reptilian globalist, but we had to because he gave us a great price on these lights. <laughs> that's how he does it. Um, so um, that's, that's what we've been up to. Anyway, we'll see you guys later. Thanks for sticking with us. Thanks for being with us.